So this is really weird, but uh, I actually want to watch it. Okay. You guys are you, are you guys aware of Christmas Chronicles? Yes, I yes. have seen it. <laughs> because um <laughs> <laughs> are you talking about the Kurt Russell thing? Exactly. Yep. It, it's a movie that Netflix just put out. Yeah. Like, I, I want to say like a week or two ago. It, it's it's very recent, but they promoted it for actually for like a couple months at least because I, mm-hmm. I was it was on my radar. And Kurt Russell plays Santa. Yeah. Uh, and, and he seems like he's really good at it from the commercials. So it looks kind of <laughs> cheesy, but I actually. <laughs> want to watch this I've, and apparently and it's only been out like a week and it's already been watched based upon Netflix's uh, whatever metrics they use to gauge how many people have watched it's been watched by 20 million people yeah which it's supposedly they, really good they what com- I've heard they uh, they compared it to having a if this was put out in theaters they're saying that this would be a $200 million opening weekend, which uh, people have crunched the numbers and said that that's not exactly accurate. Uh, whatever. I don't care about the debate about that. 20 million people in roughly a week yeah, that's... is pretty amazing. Now, um, here's I the kinda thing. Wa- I kind of want to watch this because I I completely enjoy Kurt Russell as an actor, and I, <laughs> I, I would unironically watch him as Santa Claus and enjoy it. There's an Easter egg at the end of it. Um, uh-huh. I'm not going to say that there, it, it's not a huge thing. It's just a funny little thing and it's not like post credits, but, but do watch it. Um, it's, it's a fun little, uh, fun little aside. Uh, I have, you know, I've seen it. It's, I think it's it's what I would call a season to taste kind of thing because I watch it. And I'm like, okay, this is fun, but I'm also kind of like, mm, not sure. There's some stuff I look at, and I'm like, mm, you know, because they're taking some of the like Santa mythology and playing with it, which is fine. I mean, everyone's got to do their own version, but I look at, it, I'm kind of like, mm, it doesn't fit quite right for me. It's enjoyable though. Don't don't let me stop you from watching it. You should watch it. It's just I watch it. And I'm like, mm, I don't know if I would have done that, but it's <laughs> Kurt Russell is fun in the you know how Santa Claus is usually a very very super happy, super jolly, super huggy type of guy. Uh, dial that from a ten to about a six and a half, and that's where Kurt Russell's playing it. I can deal with that. Yeah, it. Yeah. So does that mean we're we're going into our favorite Christmas movie portion of the program? I believe it is. Which incidentally, I was going to talk about Christmas Chronicles in that anyway. So I'll go ahead and mark that off my list. So I'm going to kick this section off, and um, there might be some debate to this, but I say it is a Christmas movie. Gremlins. Ah. Hmm. I actually just watched that about a month ago because my wife and I watched that uh, technically as a Halloween movie. Um, and uh, one of our mutual friends, Damian Gonzalez, uh, chastised me. He was like, that's a Christmas movie. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Which technically I agree. I, it, it, Yes, I would agree it is. But It's, uh, a, it's <laughs> a shockingly dark movie for its rating. Yeah, well, it, that was... What is it? PG? It's, yeah. I, it, was it? I think. I actually think it was. Was it PG thirteen? I think it was. If it wasn't pre PG thirteen, it was in that time period where they were saying, like PG meant no seriously, parental guidance, not kidding. As opposed to now, where it's like, oh, it's really G, but they might say it, damn in it. It's kind of it's kind of on that borderline era where PG thirteen was starting to like be a thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, actually, can I interject? Um, okay. You know what? I actually looked this up uh, last month when we did watch this. Uh, this was PG. It was rated okay. PG, um, but it because it was uh, Brad so dark. Uh, this was actually the impetus for the MPAA, MPAA to actually create the PG-13 rating. Because they oh, there I, actually, it is. I actually thought that, but I thought it might have been Indiana Jones that caused the... Um, it was both. 
I'm actually seeing okay. that uh, this movie and uh, Indiana Jones Temple of Doom, uh, they felt that both of these films were a little too, uh, little too risque, a little too dark, a little too mature mm-hmm. to purely be PG. So these, this movie and uh, Temple of Doom were both thought to be a little bit too like mature. So they subsequently created the PG-13 rating. Okay, that's it. It is a dark film, and if, if you actually read the backstory for this film, it was actually even darker Ugh. than that. It was they actually uh, wanted to present the gremlins as far more like psychotic and monstrous. Yeah, it's um the 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 song that plays like when she's in the house and the gremlins are in there. Like if I hear that on the radio, like it gives me chills because that's what I think of. Is her like going through the house and like it just starting to randomly play, and then I think that's when the gremlin and the tree attacks her. Hmm. I don't know. What did you think of it? Uh, I guess seeing it the most recently, probably. So I had not seen it for many, many years um, before I watched it again with my wife because uh, she <laughs> she's actually a Gremlins fan. Like she 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 for whatever. My wife is not like horror movies at all, and I think we could we, could, <laughs> despite characterizing it as a, a Christmas movie, I think it is fair to call it a horror movie. Um, she doesn't really like horror movies, but she watched this one because uh, we we usually try to watch like scary movies for Halloween. Like the, she doesn't like scary movies, but that's kind of like she makes the she makes an exception for Halloween. Um, okay. And she, uh, she for whatever reason, actually enjoys the Gremlins. Uh, so watching it, we actually we had a blast watching it. I, I, I watched this movie like numerous times when I was a kid, and I didn't really like pick up on a lot of things. As an adult rewatching it, like I did pick up on all this like mature stuff. I'm like, wow, this is a, a much darker film than I actually remembered when I was watching this as a kid. Her, yeah, yeah, her talking about. Um find them finding her dad after the smell hit because he tried to come down the chimney as Santa Claus and like died. Yeah, that's pretty that's super pretty dark and freaky to drop right there in the middle of it too. Yeah. And there's just like casual death in this film. Like the gremlins like basically kill people and it's it's almost played for laughs and it's like this is really serious. Like Yeah. And the gremlins the, themselves are actually like semi terrifying. I mean, yeah. they're like they're monstrous creatures. Like they try to kill and and or eat people. Because even even like um, even like the bar scene, like when that's kind of there's levity to that, but they're even terrifying in like that scene. Yeah. Oh, like yeah. Katie Cates is like terrified in that scene because they're like basically forcing her to serve them drinks and. They're completely sociopathic. They're like killing each other. Like it's, yeah, it's a, uh, it's, it's, it's a funnier film than I remember when I was a kid because I was just kind of fascinated by like the Mogwai and the Gremlins and all of that. But it's a, uh, it's, it's actually like really interesting watching it as an, as an adult. Like it's, it's both like dark and scary, but it's also like you kind of do get the dark humor that they were trying to go for. The, I think I think the other thing that sticks with me is um his the guy that he bought him from being pissed off that they they showed him television at the end is is quite funny. Hmm. <clears throat> so if we're gonna if we're gonna call that a Christmas movie, I think there's another one that falls even more firmly into that category that some people still question. I would say this one is definitely a Christmas movie if we're thinking about the same thing. Matt, are you thinking what I'm thinking? Brad's thinking I'm thinking you're thinking? (laughs) (laughs) And Brad, are you Uh, thinking Die Hard? Yes, I am thinking Die Hard. Yeah, Die Hard. Um, And I would qualify that one as one because it's actually plays a pretty central role to what's going on. Um, I think, hasn't Bruce Willis said it's a Christmas movie? I mean, I know he just starred in it, but... Um, I don't know. But I know watching the... Um, I know, I know watching... Okay, 
here I can sum up I can sum up why that this is a uh, this is a Christmas movie in in uh, one phrase. Now I have a machine gun. Ho ho ho! It is central to what it, it's central to what's going on. It's the whole reason why they're gathered there. It's the whole reason why there are people in the building. Um, yeah, you know, it's it's the plot doesn't work without it. No, it doesn't. I my wife just watched this and um, Lethal Weapon recently, mm-hmm. and I really. There's really a void of like this kind of action movie now. Yeah, there there seems to be some some missing spirit in that. Okay, so <clears throat> I'm gonna throw out another option that I believe is is or another. This is this is clearly. There's no question about whether or not this is a Christmas movie, but I feel like it encapsulates so much of the spirit that you would you would hope to find in that, and it's fun that way. Um, that it goes at the top of, of my list, and it's not even very old. And that would be uh, Elf. Ah, Elf. Yes, because uh, Will Ferrell does an amazing job combining the. Like he, Buddy the Elf is very knowledgeable about the world he comes from, but he's also very naive about everything else, and yet he's trying really hard. And you put all of that together, and it's it's super charming. And um, I just really enjoy it, and it, it's funny too. So um, let's let's because we missed this in the special section. What are your guys' personal feelings on the Jim Carrey Grinch versus the original Boris Karloff um, Grinch? Ooh, that's complicated. You go ahead, Matt. I don't particularly care for the Jim Carrey one. Yeah. To me, um, to me, the original Grinch is like classic. Um, I didn't mention that. I was kind of more talking about the stop motion animation uh, Rankin Bass productions, but I do view the original Grinch as like absolutely classic. Like there, there's a handful of Christmas animated or stop motion animation specials that I would watch. I would watch the Charlie Brown Christmas. I would watch at least Rudolph. Um, maybe the couple other. Rankin Bass, uh, Santa Claus productions that I've mentioned, I would watch Grinch. So it's a, maybe like a handful. Uh, the Jim Carrey Grinch one, uh, honestly, I would probably just throw that to the wayside. I wouldn't even bother. There's a couple things I like about that one. Mostly like when he's like refusing to go to the thing and he's like um, going over his schedule. <laughs> That's a fun scene. I can't cancel that again. He's like, solve world hunger, tell no one. <laughs> In... I thought the Jim Carrey one picked up when they actually like retold the actual... Like, when they got to the actual part that's retelling the original, I thought it was good then, but I... It's... it's I think it's too long of a movie for what the concept is, though I am kind of interested in how the one that just came out turned out. I haven't seen that yet. Um, uh, neither have I, but apparently it's been doing pretty well in the box office. Here's the way that I look at the... If if you if it was just the Jim Carrey one and you, you got it in a vacuum, then I think it's fine. You know, Jim Carrey can only emote so much with all the makeup on, and the I you know, there's this... The, the story that's going on about um, the Grinch hating what he sees Christmas as and, and the who's like perpetuating what Christmas is. Here's the problem. If you compare it to the original, it doesn't hold up because the dynamic in the original is the Grinch. He hates Christmas. He hates all the noise that comes with it. He hates all the who's being happy about it. Right. And the thing is the who's are happy and they're enjoying it and that sort of stuff. But even when he's run off with all their things, they still celebrate. Like, their spirit is still 
pure in what the celebration is. So the Grinch taking it, well, they probably prefer he didn't. It doesn't dampen their celebration. So they still have this. And if you watch the Carrie movie, the Who's are, with the exception of, I guess, Cindy, are all gigantic jerks. And you want me to, like, feel bad that they had... You know, you give the Grinch backstory to make him sympathetic, and then you want me to feel bad that he did all this? It it misses the point. The point of it is not make the Grinch sympathetic, and then and then he teaches the Who something through his redemption arc. The point is, the Grinch doesn't get it, and then he gets it, and that changes who he is. That That's, a, that's something that Hollywood has really fallen into a trap of doing with a lot of their movies and it um i really hate it what what specifically are you talking about uh maleficent oh they, humanizing the uh, sympathizing humanizing, the villains up yeah because sometimes like sometimes it works okay but other times like in maleficent it's just like you know what she was just more interesting when she was just an asshole yeah. that wanted to fuck shit up like sometimes <laughs> sometimes that's more interesting than like oh boo hoo i turned bad because i was done wrong like done wrong like and like with the grinch especially like it loses its punch like because he um like you said he turns because of like the the purity of like the goodness of like what they're actually doing and the jim carrey movie like there's such douchebags like it doesn't yeah well you don't you don't like them and here's the thing is that it's really too i guess they were trying to make a commentary on the commercialism that goes around the season but the the problem is at its base the movie is too busy like there's too much happening so they took like the only named who in the dr seuss in the animated one, and then turned her into the the one that's seeking to redeem the Grinch. Why? Because we got to stretch this from a half hour to ninety minutes, and it, let's let's make all of the who's, um, you know, greedy commercialist jerks who who miss the point of the season. And then when the Grinch has his turnaround, he can help them turn around and stuff. It's so that's that's not the that's not the point. Yeah. I and in, in missing the... Okay. <clears throat> I've watched the Nostalgia Critic basically since he got started. And the way that he looked at it was <clears throat> the uh, the phrase... He, he, he did a review of... <laughs> this was really impressive. He did a review of the Jim Carrey Grinch all in the same meter and rhyme as the the original series, right? He says, he gets to the end, he says, you know, it only needs to be this long and not have so many characters. What's the problem with this? Oh, yeah, that's right. It already exists. So you have this, um, you know, the idea of we want to – look, I'm the I'm the goof that, that paid the full price to – or I, I'm the goof that went to go watch the re-release of Batman Mask of the Phantasm in theaters – so I don't have a lot of room to talk, but if you were just to release the original back in theaters again for a limited run, how cool would it be to hear, um, I guess, the, the Tony the Tiger is singing You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch, to hear that on like theater speakers and stuff, and how how you know immense would the scene be when the Who's come out and they start singing, and the Grinch gets that he's missed the point. How big could that be? But no... We have to. We have to try and change the message and cram a bunch of stuff into it and miss the point. It also got us that absolute abortion that was Cat in the Hat with Mike Myers. Oh, wow! Got, um, if you if if you're wondering why they don't do live action um, Doctor Seuss movies anymore, that's why. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Um, that actually tanked Mike Myers' career. Yeah, yeah, it did. Um, it was really bad. 
<clears throat> so the uh, yeah now but like I said just if you take it by itself it's alright it's okay but what are you trying to you know it, the original was trying to accomplish a a message yeah so, so um, I will talk about just kind of piggybacking on um, this because it kind of expands the story I actually really like um, it stars Alistair Sim as Scrooge. There's a Christmas Carol starring him. These are hard because there's so many. You'd have to go by Alistair Sim to find it. Mm-hmm. This is probably like a two-ish hour Christmas Carol. And it really like expands like the backstory of Scrooge. Like you get to see kind of how he takes over the company. He has like more of like marley's death and stuff and it's a really good movie and like he plays it really well and um it's probably my favorite version of a christmas carol oh we're gonna get into favorite versions of christmas carol all right yeah hang on let me stretch <laughs> we go on muppets as i think oh yes yes here's Before you get okay. to that i'm gonna let me i'm gonna t- take a step back but i'm gonna throw out 1999 uh, TNT production, A Christmas Carol, starring Patrick Stewart. Oh, oh that wow. one's good. Okay, yeah. I'd need to. I'd, I actually haven't ever gotten to watch that one, but I haven't seen it since it was on TV. But I remember that one. It was really good. The reason there's a few reasons I'm going to say Muppet Christmas Carol. Number one, Muppet Christmas Carol was done in such a way that it stays more true to the source material than almost any other version. Because what they've done is they introduce Gonzo to play the role of Charles Dickens. And when they do that, he can do the narration parts that are in the book that do like some extra scene setting and things like that. Then you also have, first of all, you have Michael Flippin' Kane as Scrooge walking around in an awesome Inverness coat. Um, you know, he's just, he's able to pack so much in what he's doing, but by sticking so closely to it, Michael Caine does such a good job, and, well, everybody does such a good job, using actual lines from the the original story itself. So if you want to find something that's as close to the written story as you can, this is probably it. It also features some very nice songs. Um, the song that, that Kermit and the Rats sing whenever they're closing up his shop, the One More Sleep Till Christmas, is it's a wonderful song. I love that song. And you get to have this whole... <clears throat> you get to have a very nice dichotomy between the way they did Scrooge's stuff, because it, it's supposed to be very dark, right? And I know other places do this too, but... When you add the Muppets in, there's just this little extra, I don't know, bit of joy that goes into it for me. So you get to see the the sheer joy of, of the, the folks playing around in the snow outside and Bob Cratchit's family and stuff like that. You get to have this, this wonderful interaction. And then <clears throat> the ghosts uh, all react in a very... Well, they react with their the phrases from the story, and but it's it's very nice, and you get to see Scrooge's like his um, perspective changes very clearly in the in this time with the Ghost of Christmas Present, instead of the Ghost of Christmas Future, where it it comes out of fear of what will happen, and so. See- I, I hate when they focus on that because if you go back to like the book and like what the actual point is, it's supposed to be like Tiny Tim that changes him, not necessarily the fear of his future. Yes. It's that it's that um this wonderful child doesn't get a chance to live and he could have prevented it is like what what changes him. And that was that was in his time with the uh, the ghost of, of Christmas present. So you have that you have this happen. He gets to see the Cratchit house. He gets to see how happy the Cratchit family is, even if they don't have much. 
also the fact that he goes to see his nephew's party and they are talking serious smack about him at the time. Um, <laughs> you know, that's the first thing. He's like, wow, is that really how people see me? And then he goes to the Cratchit house and he sees how much joy there is and that sort of stuff. And with Michael Caine and the way it's, since it's so true to the sports material, you get to see that change start then. And then the thing with the ghost of Christmas yet to come drives it home. Like you, you compare what happens with tiny Tim and what happens with Scrooge and Scrooge is like, I have made so many mistakes and it really brings it home. Cause he's already begging with the ghost of Christmas yet to come at the beginning. He's like, it doesn't have to be this way or, or does it have to be this way? Can it be changed? And that's even before he sees the graves and, and the Cratchit family and stuff. That's what the Alistair Sim one does well is like you you get to see more of him after like he um after he like wakes up like he uh scares the housekeeper being like a weirdo and he's like, How much do I pay you? She tells him, and he's like, well, I'm going to pay you this from now on. And she's, like, shocked. And then he goes to, like, his nephews for, like, you know, Christmas dinner and stuff. And then they do, they go from there pretty much. Yeah. It's a, um, it's just a really good, um, it, it, well, I like I like the way that the Muppets handle it because they handle it with respect to the source material. They handle it with this kind of joy that comes with it, and you you can't okay you can't badmouth the Muppets around me because I'll take someone out and fight. Uh, that's that's just the way it's going to be. I um <laughs> I appreciated that they managed to work Statler and Waldorf into a um, prominent role in this. Uh yeah, I love Statler and Waldorf, or as John Mulaney puts it, the old gay couple in balcony. <laughs> 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 I don't think that's an accurate portrayal of them, but it's too funny not to bring up. It's you know I was it's a real shame that they screwed up the new movies with the sequel because I I really loved the one they did like. Around 2009 or 2010. Uh, that was just called The Muppets. Yeah, the one yeah. where they like, they like bring the show back and they do like the opening. That one is really good. And then the sequel, they lost the point of what made the first one good. Well, yeah, well, the reason the first one worked is because Jason Siegel wrote it. For him, it was a labor of love and he knew what it was about. So he wrote it and then he didn't want to do another one. So someone just picked up and ran with it, and therefore they did miss the point. But yeah, um, I don't think it was that far back. Maybe it was, but yes, the whole thing about getting the group back together and that sort of stuff. I yeah, there's there are parts in that that even had big manly at the time professional wrestler black belt me having eye sweat going on. You know the. The, 2011. The, the the pictures in my head song and stuff like that. And I was just like, and, you know, and they the revisit Rainbow Connection. Um, just, wow. It was really good. So. It was uh, t- 2011. Okay. I've rambled on quite a bit. So it, do you guys have any other Christmas movies you would want to... Um, uh, oh, talk about the, here. the obvious one is uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which I, I think um, I think we can all agree, uh, Merry Christmas, Shitter Was Full is <laughs> an all-time classic. You know, that line works just because you, you don't expect the, the follow-up line. And it's... It's just it's it's basic comedy, but it works so well. I it's amazing like how over the top his character is, yet so subdued at the same time, and how it works. I do enjoy seeing um, how the tension ratchets up on Clark Griswold through the whole thing. Like he wants so badly for this to be a good thing for everybody, but. The tension keeps ratcheting up and keeps ratcheting up until he loses it. 
And um, oh, Clark, that's just a gift that keeps on giving all year long. And um, <laughs> I I just forgot what I was going to talk about. It was um, oh, what was it? Oh, the cat blowing up. <laughs> And the, the squirrel in the tree? Yeah. Mm, yes. There's there's so many good moments that happen in it. Um, and a snot the dog. Snot the dog, yeah. Like I said, there's so many good moments that just happen over the course of it that uh, even if maybe the filler in between doesn't really work, it's it's still fun to watch. The I think the, the single funniest moment for me, <clears throat> like the... the the climax of the movie is really Clark's breakdown whenever after his, his quote unquote bonus arrives and you know, happiest bunch of freaks, this side of the nut house or whatever it is. Um, that's really the climax. But for me, the funniest moment is Clark is like bundled up in all the old clothes he can find in the attic, watching movies on the old eight millimeter. And his wife comes home and pulls down the ladder, which is what he happened to be sitting on. Oh yeah. That part is great. I can't, like that shouldn't work. Him putting that much weight on it should make it drop down anyway. But just having that happen in the middle of him having this reminiscent moment is really funny. Matt, was there another one you wanted to add in? Uh, if we're talking about Christmas movies, actually, this is uh, this is you know I didn't really think about this back in the day. Um, even though I saw this movie like numerous times, uh, but my uh, my sister in law's boyfriend, this is a big movie for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it was just kind of ironic because he is uh, he's Jewish, so Christmas is not not really a thing for him. Mm-hmm. But he he adores this movie, and in retrospect, I'm like, you know what? I actually really enjoy this movie, and this is technically a Christmas movie. But 1990s Home Alone. Macaulay oh Cogan. wow yeah oh, okay yeah. actually okay. like watching it as an adult which we did last year last christmas we watched this uh all of us were adults we watched this it is it, it's actually somewhat fascinating because watching it as a kid like i loved it like it was funny like the kids obviously pulling all these pranks against the the two uh thieves the the wet <laughs> <laughs> the wet bandits. The wet bandits. <laughs> yeah. Who are trying to rob the house. Um, but watching it as an adult, there's like so many questions you have. Like one, like why do they have like this abnormally large house? <laughs> why is there like 80 people in this family? Uh, why is the uncle and the uncle's family like such dicks to, to Kevin <laughs> um, McAllister? <laughs> there's so many questions. Like how could they not like how could they not like how could they forget this child at the house like how is this kid fending for himself how is he like just buying pizza and all these sort of things on credit like it's it's there's so many things that you like don't leave your you don't check your brain at the door um Mm -hmm. as an adult but it's still like a super fun movie it's still entertaining it's still funny the parts it needs to be like i actually think it is kind of a more modern day classic so it was uh, it was huge when it came out. Oh, it was monumentally huge. It basically made Macaulay Culkin still... Uh, he's still technically kind of like a star to this day. Um, he's... I don't know if you've seen recent photos of him. He actually looks pretty good. He had some pretty bad substance abuse problems for a while. But he actually uh, seems to be clean and sober. Uh, I actually somewhat unironically love Macaulay Culkin because uh, for a while now, for a few years, he has a <laughs> he has a kind of ironic rock band called the Pizza Underground. Mm-hmm. Um, is, that's, isn't he like a huge wrestling fan too? I think he is. He is. He, he's yeah, not, he is. Yeah, he, he is and he's kind of like he, he does his little like uh, his little rock band but he's He's kind of like self-deprecating. He he's pretty funny. He like is kind of at peace with how absurd his life has been. Um, 
So I I actually do love Home Alone. I think it's a great movie. He's not. Um, this is kind of going off topic, but he's not quite to the level of a wrestling fan as David Arquette is. David, Ar- <laughs> David that, Arquette has proved his stripes. That's something that that's probably like left for another episode of the podcast. But yeah, um, we we should, um, we should probably I at think- some point talk about the 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 wrestling career resurgence of, of David Arquette. <laughs> I think it's funny that uh, Melissa Joan Hart is like blocked by so many wrestlers on Twitter. Really? Why? She, I I know Kevin Owens like blocked her. For she some she kind of picked a fight with Kevin Owens. Yeah. So that was an odd. With someone like Kevin Owens, that's a really odd choice. But um. Now the Colin uh, Culkin I know is a huge fan because Max Landis, after he made wrestling as a wrestling, did an AMA on the Reddit Squared Circle subreddit. And they asked, someone asked him, they're like, out of everybody you had in that film, who's your biggest fan? He goes, oh, Macaulay Culkin by far. He's more of a, he's way more of a fan than I'll ever be. And it's just like, wow. You, you know, this kind of, did this movie kind of kick off like, you know, that surge, I would say in the nineties of like those PG kids movies, like the mighty ducks and stuff. Would this kind of be the movie that, um kicked that era off you know i'm not sure i'm not sure either but it's not out of the realm of possibility because i remember well i remember seeing this in theaters but i remember the day this came out on vhs because it was like it was like i want to see that again yeah the slapstick in it was a lot of fun Cause I remember going to Blockbuster, I think, and there was just like a whole wall of this. Yeah. And I think I think you even had to like reserve it before it came out because it was going to be such a. That's a good point. Uh, for for listeners who maybe are <laughs> younger than we are, um, which makes me feel very old. Um, and people who may be younger who are millennials, maybe, uh, or at least people who were in their twenties. Uh, who were not aware of how big Home Alone was? It it literally was gigantic. It made yeah. the uh, I'm looking it up on Wikipedia. The budget was 18 million, which uh, back in the day probably wasn't like insane, but it made almost 500 million dollars uh, domestic. Well, total box office. So right, uh, that's 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 huge. huge. That's huge. Yeah, like and it was it was a major part of the 90s like that that movie was gigantic yeah yeah there's there's I mean, no they made, question they made like sequels with like new like new kids as him and all that stuff you know yeah the only one he was in was in home alone 2 uh yeah <laughs> which not as good which uh not as good uh did actually have a uh a cameo <laughs> a cameo by current president uh donald trump <laughs> If you recall, there that. is so much weirdness that we could reference when it comes to our current presidents on that front because it's like he was in uh, Home still, Alone too. He got still uh, one, uh, one of WrestleMania. The most prof- yeah, one of the most profitable WrestleMania is uh, Donald Trump. He uh, I, uh, ate a stunner once. Yeah, true. I um, I do have one that I was I, that came that popped into my head that I'd forgotten about while Matt was talking about Home Alone. Um. It would, we've already talked about Bill Murray once on this show. But, Are you uh, going to say Scrooge? Yeah. Yeah. The first time I got to watch Scrooge was a couple years ago. I watched it right after the, the Bill Murray Christmas special came out. And I got god-awful sick in the middle of watching it. Like, I'm laying on the couch watching it. My wife's sitting in the chair watching it. All of a sudden, I go ripping down the hallway because I'm afraid I will not get to the bathroom in time sick. So you haven't seen this all the way through without throwing up is what you're saying? That would be an accurate statement. (laughs) I think think my favorite um, part of this is him and the um, Ghost of Christmas present beating the shit out of each other. (laughs) Oh, I forgot about that. That was, yeah, that was pretty funny. I would actually rate that as one of Bill Murray's better movies. 
I would not disagree with that. I would say Caddyshack is probably his best comedic role. Mm. Ghostbusters would be up there, and then this. Stripes was pretty good, too, actually. Yeah. I love Ghostbusters. Yeah. That's one of my all-time favorite movies of all time. Yeah. I was debating for Halloween this year if I was going to buy a Spirit Halloween Proton Pack, a pair of overalls, and be a hillbilly Ghostbuster for Halloween. I I love his character in Caddyshack, though. Like, I can't do the thing, but when he's talking about the Dalai Lama, he's like, well, at least I got that going for me. Jerry talking to the Dalai Lama, and uh, he said that uh, I will find peace, so I, uh, I got that going for me. I'm not as good an impressionist as apparently Matt is, but I, I enjoy that character a lot, too. The, the, the Cinderella story. Here at the Masters. The, uh, go in here for that shot. Cinderella story. Apparently, they, were, they tried to shoehorn a scene with him doing a similar character in the middle of Ghostbusters, but thankfully it got cut. Oh, thank God. Yeah. Because it just would not have... Would not have worked. Okay. Well, do we have any other, uh, you know, any other uh, Christmas movies we want to throw in the hopper? I'm out as far as... I, you know, I could probably come up with others. I could run up and grab... uh, My wife has has a better array of Christmas movies than any single one of the streaming services we have access to. But, yeah, it's... I know. I I guess we should talk about The Elephant in the Room, though I am not a particular fan of the movie, but A Christmas Story. Oh. (laughs) You know, I I don't hate it, but it doesn't need to be played on two channels for 24 hours straight around Christmas. My wife adores A Christmas Story. And you know what? That's fine. It's a fun story about looking back through the eyes of an adult as you as a kid. And that's, you know, that's fun and what you wanted and everything that went around it and and that sort of stuff. I don't need it that much, though. (laughs) It's good. That's the thing. It's good. I'm... My my favorite thing from the whole movie is the the lamp. <laughs> and it's like it must be French. It says fragile. That's probably that's probably my favorite part of the whole movie, but like it's not something I like go out of my way to like want to see every year and like people talk about it all the time. I'm just like, "You know what? It was it was good, but it's not like it's not something I feel the need to like go out of my way to watch. I saw someone do a takeoff on that line as an advertising thing. It was pretty funny. It might have been Collar and Elbow that did it, but I can't remember what the joke was. It's kind of a shame. Didn't they do like a live action, like a, like a live rec- like performance of it? Like on I, last a year? live musical, but in doing oh, okay. so, they added a whole bunch of stuff to it. And like Maya Rudolph was playing uh, Ralphie's mom. And she had a song in it, and it's just kind of like, look, Ralphie's mom got some really great characterization in the movie, but I don't know that I agree with this. Uh, I don't know that I'm I'm on board with the musical. This does remind me, though, and I'll 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 link it to Matt so he can put it on our Twitter feed. There is there is one Christmas story gag that I repost every year um, that I made myself is there's a uh, the the scene in a Christmas story where Ralphie goes at the bully from the moment he tackles him and starts laying into him it turns out that Ralphie attacking the bully lines up with the beats perfectly from the refrain of Southern Comfort by Ludacris <laughs> wow okay <laughs> that's and random. so I, uh, I looped it over that and it's it's really, I'm going to be honest with you, uh, I'll probably I find it a lot funnier than it probably should. But uh, we'll share that on the on the Twitter. Uh, <laughs> and it's, it's odd, but I think it's hilarious. So, 
Well, guys, unless we have anything else we want to add. Uh, I have a couple things. Okay. Um, we we talked a lot about Christmas shows and episodes. Uh, we haven't talked about Christmas songs, and that's a huge like subject. We could we can go. We spent another like hour talking about that. That's true. Um, uh, I did have like two or three songs I kind of wanted to discuss. Um, this would this one is kind of a joke. Uh, this is uh, <laughs> this is uh, a callback to what we were discussing in uh, earlier on in the episode, but. Here you go. Yes. <laughs> it's the uh, it's the Gremlins theme. Okay. Which uh, that's I actually what I they, thought it was. I just think they reused this for. Uh, I think they reused this for like Gremlins too. Actually, I think it just became like the Gremlins theme. But okay. yeah, I think so. I liked when um going back to Gremlins. Like I loved when they were caroling that when they knocked on the old woman's house yeah and then sabotage her chair and she went out the window yeah yeah um i don't know if you have a favorite christmas song uh mine is i'll play it in a second it's uh it's kind of dark it's not it's not what most people think of as a christmas song but my favorite christmas song of all time is is this. I don't know if you will recall it. Is this familiar for uh, Wait a either of you? Wait a minute. Yeah, yeah, that's the Fable of New York. Fairytale of New York. Yeah, that's they do that in the Bill Murray Christmas special. Yep. I love that. That's It's so good. Fairytale of New York by the Pogues. It's my favorite Christmas song. It is a exceptionally dark um, Christmas song because uh, it's basically about a couple uh, Irish couple. Um, the the guy is like strung out on drugs, and the 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 wife is too. But it's a uh, it's exceptionally good song um, by the Pogues. Uh, and I'm gonna give one last Christmas song. Let me oh, actually... by the way, if you like uh-huh. that, have you listened to uh, um, the Dropkick? Is it the Dropkick Murphys Christmas song? There's a Dropkick Murph. I think it's Dropkick Murphys Christmas song about Christmas with my family or something like that. And it turns out the guy hates his whole family. Oh, I haven't heard that. Yeah. Go ahead. What's your What's your other? <laughs> my last. Uh... My last Christmas shout out, I guess, is uh, is to Christy Petrillo. This is one of his. Uh, <laughs> this is one of his. I'm almost trolling him with this. This is one of my one of his uh, favorite songs. Oh God! <laughs> Good God! You know, um... Chris is a huge fan of uh, Wham's Last Christmas. You know, the Taylor Swift version of this is much better. I think I'd agree with that. Last Christmas, I gave you my heart. You know what the sad thing is? The sad thing is is that Chris uh, pretty much has every single cover of this known to man (laughs) on his his iPod. I'm not even joking. I think the Taylor Swift version is better, honestly. I think I would agree with that. Uh, there's Here, Matt, there's a recent Matt, one by Ariana is... Grande if you want to get like super top. Ugh, I don't like Ariana Grande. Oh, see, I actually really like Ariana Grande, but I am a unapologetic uh, fan of modern day pop music. So I'm not. Okay, I... Matt, this one this one is going to be a special one for us. Shad's going to scratch his head and wonder what the fuck we're talking about. Sleeves! Yes! Oh man, people are so so bitter about that song, but it's actually like hauntingly good. I actually Uh, unironically feel it's hauntingly good. Yeah, that one. I like that one, but I. It's um. It's really Anthony's like riffing on it that is really memorable about it. Yeah, we make so many references to Ron and Fez. I almost feel like we need to reach out to Ron and or Fez. 
<laughs> to have them come on the show and just I, what is Fez doing at this point in his life? Just kind of like I, he called in one point this year. Really? Yeah, when Gail announced she was pregnant, like Fez popped up for that. But I think he's just doing his own thing. Wow. I don't think anyone really knows, actually. Ron Bennington would be the only person who would probably know. Yeah. Uh, that's amazing. I thought you'd appreciate that. I did. That's that's calling so, me back. That's uh, that's going way back in the past. Oh, that's like twelve or thirteen years now. Yeah. So Shad, just to explain, and for the people at home, he was a guy that like would do songs for a radio show, but he was actually like pretty skilled at it. So that was his like uh, Christmas song. Yeah. Um, I mentioned my some of my favorite Christmas songs earlier, so I was just gonna let it go. But uh, well, guys, uh, we've been at this for a little while, so I think that's about a fair spot to call it a wrap. Um, well, everybody, thank you for listening to us. It's um, and you know, happy holidays from us here at Four Corners Podcast. Uh, thank you for listening. We'd love to hear from you on social media and. If you're still looking for that last-minute Christmas gift, collar and elbow uh, discount code is Four Corners Podcast. So this is Shad with Matt and Brad. Thank you all for joining us. You guys got anything else you want to sign off with? No. Happy uh, Merry Christmas to everyone. <laughs> yeah. All righty. And Happy New Year, too. We'll see you next time. Thanks.